0: dynasty as they want to be a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series dynasty i'm your host derek j lang and returning with me is my co-host and husband kyler k jafari it's me i'm back (laughs) oh you were so missed that was the first episode that you didn't appear on i were not missed yeah you were
1: yeah you was you packed two microphones on purpose. You knew this was all premeditated. Oh,
0: we're going to go there, huh? Mm-hmm. We just went there. <laughs> well, how did you think Omar Baragon did? Well, as a you know, out? season's
1: greetings to Omar. I wish I could have been there. Uh, but I can't believe you standard
0: sluts were eating cannoli from Italy. Okay. Obviously, that's not my favorite cannoli, but I was pressed for time and I wanted a cannoli. I Tell that to make any it. New
1: Yorker. Well...
0: Pressed for time. I couldn't make it down to the East Village to Veneros, which is the best cannoli in New York City. Um, well, in Manhattan. The best cannoli in Brooklyn is Court Street Pastry. But um, anyway, I was near Italy I popped in. I was pressed for time. I was running around like a crazy person. So... Quit coming for me on all fronts. You think I'm trying to replace you on Dynasty as they want to be, and then I'm choosing bad canole? Like, it's not nice. I feel like I've been canceled. (laughs) You haven't been canceled. If anything... You have been picked up for another season because we have an amazing cocktail to sip on while we talk about this week's episode. Tell the darlings what you've made for us. Well, tonight we
1: we wound up at the St. Dennis Club again, the only place to eat lunch in the whole town of Denver. <laughs> it's so and true. Naturally, uh, Dame Joan Collins, a.k.a. Alexis Carrington, orders up... One of my faves, which is the Cure Royale, it's pretty much a brunch to tea time Drink and yeah, it's a little I late her, to be having this, but that's fine. I think her
0: and Fallon were just having lunch, and she just wanted a, a champagne cocktail. It's, it's
1: a sort of way to have champagne without having champagne. It's also a good way to like uh, mask shitty champagne. Up some yeah, some not so hot champagne. So yeah, it, <laughs> prosecco even your <laughs> pearls. Um, so well, yes, yeah, so it's a, it's a dash of uh, creme de cassis which is which is a, a specialty of Dijon although i think there's plenty of places in france and outside of the continent that that make it anyway it's only other use apparently is on vanilla ice cream as like a sort of substitute for syrup
0: okay um, well can we have that after we're done recording yeah, i mean cuz
1: i got a whole <laughs> bottle of this shit lying around for the last 5 years i don't know what else i'm going to do with it
0: well cheers to your my return and your return and not being canceled and chen chen darling mm, Delicious. I ended up having a fabulous time in New York. I saw lots of old friends reconnected. And um, I did have one night to myself where I kind of went a little crazy. I went and had a ramen by myself. And then I went to go see Moulin Rouge on Broadway, which I know we talked about several episodes ago. Oh,
1: this, This is too crazy. No, come on.
0: It was actually really great. And I loved it. Two thumbs up. A plus. It Two was, thumbs up. Where? <laughs> well, you can, can, can. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay. No, it was way better than the movie because everybody could sing. They did an uh, amazing job with the production. I we mean, already it know was my thoughts e- about the movie, so immaculate.
1: It could only be better than whatever the movie was. Yeah,
0: I mean the bar was like pretty low, but and then was the, the bar uh, themed? There was a bar on the stage and then there was a bar in the lobby and I then, love how musical
1: stage productions have like a bar and it's
0: themed. Right. And then you can actually like get service from the Like Patty Lapone's gonna pour me a Mexican train wreck. <laughs> that would be amazing. I bet Patty Lipone makes a stiff cocktail. No, they have like the seating, kind of like I feel like Cabaret when they revived Cabaret like what 20 or 30 years ago. Talk about the one with Alan Cummings. Yeah, yeah. The one that they did at Studio 54 originally. They had like bar seating. I think that's like a thing now that. You know, productions do so, they we do gotta have put
1: asses and bar stools. You know,
0: <laughs> they do have seats in the front, but I actually would not. I actually had a partial view, that's what it was considered seat. And it was like, I got that all that means like the, the men's views. room door is in front of your face, or yeah, which is like great. I would have paid extra for that hot ticket. <laughs> no, but I was, uh, like I was underneath the windmill, there's like a giant elephant, you know, what which is where Nicole Kidman's character is, Satine. That's where her dressing room is. So there's like a giant elephant. There's a giant windmill. It was, yeah, it was just really fabulous. And what I loved about it is, so it's all like the pop music, just like the original, but it's different music. So now you have your Katy Perry and your Lady Gagas and your Bruno Mars. But the way they arrange it is so interesting And it's just like. I would
1: take the police and Madonna over all of that, though.
0: Well, there's definitely Madonna. I can't remember if there's police. There's just so much music. And you know what? I realized I was looking for clips of it on YouTube. And the reason that there's no clips, because I'm sure the rights. Scrubbed. It's for this musical are so expensive because they use like. 100 pop songs it's crazy
1: yeah you ain't gonna find that on YouTube's. yeah
0: so i don't think they're doing a lot of performances plus they want you know to get those asses on the bar stools when they're selling tickets for like 200 300 400 but it was a good time i highly recommend fabulous costumes if you love dynasty you'll love Mulan rouge on broadway because it's just over the top glamour that that sounds like a broad
1: brush stroke but sure yeah i was i was listening to to yours and omar's uh you know repartee and i have to kind of agree with both of you you're both right about claudia she is over steven but she's not over him right like she's i, I, th- I thought it was, you both kind of took
0: both sides of that argument and I think
1: you were both correct.
0: I think the jury's still out. I'm going to need to see Claudia and Steven in a scene together. No, I think
1: for Claudia, it's a, it's, she's hearkening back to a past life, I think almost literally. I swear to God, Claudia has been reincarnated in season two, and she's not even the same
0: character. You keep saying that. She she's, is, is the same character. She wants her daughter. I mean, she's evolving. People change. But she is the same character. I don't think they've mind wiped her, men and blacked her brain or anything.
1: I just think that she associates Steven with a past life. And I don't think it's so much that they're gonna have something or that she wants to have something. I think it's more, it's a pang of nostalgia almost. And it sort of ties back to her obsession with finding Matthew and Lindsay. Um, which, of course, like that gets played up in this episode. So I know.
0: About it. Yeah, that's pretty intense stuff. I guess let's just take a break and we'll get into this week's episode Blake's Blindness. <laughs> Welcome back. Well, I mean, this is just Blake's episode. Like, everything literally has to do with Blake, what's like going I'll, on with Blake. The whole damn show is Blake's show. It really is. So he's blind now. <laughs> no, I meant I, I'm in Dynasty.
1: Dynasty is Blake's show. Oh, Whether we like <laughs> it or not.
0: Well, I guess you must be in John Forsythe's corner. Well, he no, but I mean, thing. okay, so
1: this episode starts out, right, with this like totally OTT. Blind man's bluff, like ridiculous character acting.
0: Okay, so let's talk about John Forsythe's blind acting. Okay, let me just give you the pros and cons. Okay,
1: well, do we have a lot of like comparisons for blind acting? I feel like there must be, but I'm just I'm not. It's not coming to mind.
0: Well, we only talk about Dynasty on this podcast, so I'm not going to compare him to...
1: Well, I'm just saying. I mean, if, if we're going to complain about his, uh, his performance, then who shall we hold up as Can I standard? just say
0: what I was going to say? I was about to list pros and cons, okay? These are my pros and cons with John Forsythe's blind acting. Pro. He does a nice job of not looking directly at the other actors or whatever even though he can he is has vision con when he's reaching for things that he can't see he's feeling around the room like he's yeah, never it's, been it's in these Ham rooms City. before it's pretty bad yeah like this character is in his bedroom it's in his office like
1: He's not that gonna slippers two inches away from him, yeah.
0: he's like going four feet into the corner, reaching for a slipper. Like it's not gonna be that far away from the other slipper, bro. like
1: but what what I think is like so stupid is like all the dialogue is like people keep saying things like, "Oh, I can see that," or you can see." Or it's and it's like it's always implied. Well, no, actually, he can't see, like, literally, he cannot.
0: You know? Well, <laughs> and that's even called Blake's Blindness. You, you know? can kind like, of <laughs> you can kind of tell. I think some of the actors were like snickering about this whole situation. Like, there's one shot where John so do you think James broke character? Oh, I think John James could in that first scene where the whole family is gathered in the bedroom and he's just in a rage like breaking vases and turning tables over. I feel like John James is like trying to hold back a snicker, like he's a SNL, you know, host laughing at a skit or something. It's pretty comical
1: well at this point john james is canceled so like he can do whatever he wants like
0: i'm not canceling john james how
1: many are you here in this room right now what is this an exhibition come and look at the blind man come and see
0: what the blind man does see how he rages in his blindness okay everybody out can't you see how upset he is you too joseph please I mean, if Blake wasn't already like a big asshole anyway, this like blindness has sent him over the edge. He's like yelling at the family. He's yelling at Crystal. He's yelling at Dr. Toscani. He's yelling at the preeminent specialist for blindness. Like, he's so pissed. He's also yelling at Joseph the bitchy butler, who's apparently like wiping his ass and giving him blowjobs in the middle of the night. Well,
1: it's like everything with with Blake. He's this this like mirror through which we see characters and how they respond. Blindness can either be a way for you to pander and expect people to treat you differently, or it can be a way to just make you a complete total asshole and be pissed off that you can't see. And you already got a power issue. That's clearly like what's going on with Blake here. Like he, he, he's just like, he's already got authority problems. And now that he can't see, you know, he feels like he's being taken advantage of and it just, you know, winds him up even more. Yeah.
0: Well, it's not winding Crystal up to uh, to go through with the divorce, which last week she said she's going to divorce him. And then he's blind and now she's going to stick with him because she's Crystal.
1: Oh, this is like totally like the woman who won't leave. Like this is her put like, oh, now he's blind. OK, now I can like I can extend that lease for a little while longer. Like I'm not gonna leave him until he can see, which like she doesn't know if he's ever gonna to see her again or not. Like, so that's this is like typical Crystal locking herself up in the ivory tower, moping about how sad everything is in her life, even though like. Like, she's surrounded by finery and glamorousness.
0: Well, can you please explain to me what the fuck is going on with Dr. Toscani and his relationship with Crystal? She clearly is not into him, and he is over the moon. And she even says by the end of the episode can you help me and he's like yes what can i do to help you and she's like leave me alone
1: yeah i think he's he's got a little like harvey weinstein here like he had his moment on the the casting couch with with her and now like he expects all this other on the side and she's like no no and she's like dialing all that back and now he's like raging about it basically like he's certainly exercising a a male prerogative
0: Oh yeah, it's like totally misogynistic as fuck and I feel bad for the poor thing because she's going through stuff with her husband and her personal life and he's, I guess, the only person that she can turn to. All of her poor friends from the first season must be gone or something and he's just taking advantage of her and he is this authority figure because he is a psychiatrist but in like a professional capacity, this is so wrong so i'm canceling dr nicholas tosnotty he's canceled <laughs> like, who's gonna
1: be left by the end of this episode like everybody's kidding. alexis
0: canceled. alexis
1: um, yeah that's true um yeah i, I do like the thing <laughs> with fallon like trying to like sort of piece something back together with jeff oh jeff let's not fight. and get dressed. What, do I turn you off now that I'm pregnant? No. What's the matter then? You're not doing this for me, you're doing it for Blake because I saved his life.
0: And you figure you owe me something every once in a while. Oh, now you're a mind reader.
1: And I like how like he just can't get that tie to tie. It's just not gonna happen. not oh, even yeah. she can get that tie to tie. Yeah, no they I, I feel like there's a metaphor there and like it's pretty lazy and and clumsy, but it's just like neither of the two of them can make this marriage work, you know and yeah, they're basically just sticking together for a baby. Which is like maybe the worst reason for a married couple to stay married. I
0: don't know. Yo, honey, there's millions of married couples it, that have stayed together for Maybe a this is
1: like, you know, hard hitting topics in the early
0: 1980s. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure a lot of people w- was watching this shiz and they were like, I feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel that. But no, I think Fallon is just trying to get into Jeff's pants because she uses sex to get what she wants. The great thing about it, though, is that Jeff sees through it and he's just turning her down i guess they're sleeping in like separate bedrooms now or something so
1: so jeff is like this interesting sort of like minor greek mythological character in a way in the in the way that he knows and sees everything but he's like totally irrelevant to what's going on and has like zero involvement in any of the action so it's like on the one hand like yeah he knows that she's playing him but But then he doesn't do anything about he can do about it but this is what we keep complaining about with jeff right i mean and you know in some ways like i think he's sort of the the prototype for like yuppie manhood um in like 80s television right
0: like what is the goal
1: but at the same time like nobody thinks back to like the ideal of the yuppie and thinks of jeff colby because like He's got zero agency and he's like exercises no utility. Well, no,
0: I think he does have agency. I just don't understand what he wants. Like he doesn't really want to be married to Fallon. I mean, he did at one point.
1: Yeah, but that's because he's kind of like a kiss ass too, right? yeah he's, he's a total of, kiss ass. he's like toadying up to to blake
0: yeah my god he jumped on top of him and uh, s- uh, possibly sacrificed his life for blake's
1: well at least in that sacrifice what got burned was that old lincoln limo i'm so excited to see what blake's gonna be riding around in these days
0: oh they're not just gonna like take it to the auto body shop and <laughs> fix it <laughs> no
1: that thing's a total loss But it's interesting that we still get some of this interaction with the the logan rinewood dude like sends his goons off again like he this this weaselly snake guy keeps turning up
0: okay well don't spoil everything for me but i have questions about rinewood so is this supposed to be like a mystery like a who shot jr or we are or we're all assuming that rinewood would send his goons to throw dynamite at the car
1: yeah this is like amateur hour mystery stuff like they really didn't do a very good job of utilizing it and i think the the blind thing with blake is already like so campy and ridiculous but fun and this little storyline with logan rinewood once you get to the bottom of this one it is like i cannot roll my eyes enough it is so hilarious but I, I don't well, want to say too much.
0: In my crazy imagination, where I ride around on unicorns with a giant martini glass, I'm thinking like Rhinewood is actually Alexis, and there's just this crazy subplot going on. But they're not—they're not giving me any breadcrumbs for me to go no. to. You know, the audience is strictly house.
1: left there to dream up whatever could be there because. You're not getting anything.
0: Yeah, I'm not getting any of that. So I'm not really sure which direction I'm supposed to be going. Like if I'm supposed to be carrying who actually threw the dynamite, you know, banning Rinewood's right hand, sneaky snake comes in and he's like, well, we have an alibi. It wasn't us and we're very sorry. And, you know, this is all to get a football team. Is this really is this what goes on yeah like well we know the nfl is shady af (laughs) so that doesn't totally surprise me but i mean what is this denver carrington football team really worth to go to these ends
1: well it was simpler times you know
0: i think my favorite moment from this episode is (laughs) multiple characters eavesdropping on each other so we have blake and steven talking because uh steven is finally revealing after his dad has been in the hospital for a few weeks that he got hitched to sammy joe and of course blake is not happy about it as nobody's happy about it because sammy joe is a trifling little poor tramp and not fit for the Carrington name but Blake says they're gonna train her and my fair lady her ass and I guess make her a, a Carrington because he's probably just happy that she has a vagina and not a penis so he doesn't have to you know push her into a fireplace or anything but then we have Alexis overhearing that conversation and then weirdly, just out in the hallway, mentions this whole thing, how Fallon's not really Blake's daughter.
1: Yeah. And I think it's it's also fun because they even do some sort of like a trope on eavesdropping with Blake's blindness because like there's all these like moments where Blake's not sure who's in the room and whoever is in the room is sort of like observing him and sort of like seeing or observing
0: a little bit but i wish they would have gone further with that
1: yeah i guess you know they could have done more with that but they they at least went there with it like you know like you had like uh what crystal in his office kind of watching him as he says like call my wife you know and he thinks it's the secretary and then he's like never mind don't you know and then she's like Oh, Blake, but it's me. Blake. I'm here, right. right? So it's like sort of like, oh, what was his intention? You know, like, did he have second thoughts? Like, what is his real feeling for his wife at this moment? And well,
0: he says it. He wants to get fucked.
1: Well, that's essentially how it plays out. Crystal, I want you to know this, just in case you don't. I can get hundreds of people to bring me a cup of coffee. I can snap my fingers and have a table set for two hundred people. I can pick up the phone and I can have a government in South America fall.
0: Those are not the things that I need a wife for. I need a wife in my bed. Is that what you're offering? People aren't really taking advantage, I guess, to their credit, of his blindness. Because a lot of people could be using this to their advantage and listening in on all of Blake's little nefarious conversations. But I don't feel like anybody's really doing that. I think they, you know, Crystal eventually says, Blake, it's me not your secretary. And then Alexis goes in and, and has a conversation with him. But it was just funny because Alexis overhears Steven and Blake talking. And then, Alexis and Steven are talking and Sammy Joe overhears them. I wanted somebody else to overhear Sammy yeah, Joe. There's and a lot of iterations talking. of
1: overhearing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like we could just go the whole episode of people listening in on each Which, other. In
1: some ways it's kind of very meta because like this whole idea of eavesdropping is it's very old fashioned soap opera. You know, cliche.
0: Yeah, but you were sort of hinting at it before, and the last episode, it really took a turn that Sammy Joe is in this for the money, honey.
1: Well, I'm glad that she's like finally showing her fangs now. Mm Because, like, before, like, and, and I agree with you guys, the prior episode, she was sort of very believable up until that. And now it's like quite clear, like, oh, this is what you're really dealing with with this character. Like, yeah, she's just there for the money.
0: Right. Well, and now that she's overheard this bit of information about Fallon, who has, of course, not been nice to Sammy Joe, clearly she's going to try to use that in her favor because Sammy Joe is just not getting what she wants. She's been sort of put to the back burner I mean, and she thought I'm getting not, hitched she was going to be uh, yeah, I'm the not star of the pretend show.
1: like there's there's a lot of reasons to hate Sammy Joe, and I buy it I buy into it full for I cannot stand her and This is, like, one of the the big, like, cleats that she gets in in the field here where this is, like...
0: Excuse me, did you just use a sports metaphor?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, well, Sammy Jo's, like, got a 5.8 socket wrench, uh, you know, changing spark plugs in the Trans Am. So, I mean, uh, the roles are all reversed tonight, apparently, but um, no. What are you
0: saying? Women can't be mechanics?
1: No, they can't. You're
0: canceled. No, they they can can put air in tires. That's
1: it. (laughs) And bring me a beer. No, but like the yeah, the thing with her character is is um, that now she's like decided that she's going to play everybody against everybody in this family, and I think it's. You know, it it makes her a very easy to hate character, but it's what's kind of fun about Sammy Joe, I guess.
0: Yeah, I don't hate her. I don't hate her yet. I mean, maybe I will, but I'm reserving judgment because I'm still feeling out what she wants.
1: I hate her because Steven is not bisexual and I don't understand. This whole thing with him marrying her. That's what I hate about her.
0: Darling, I already explained to you he loves race car driving, so she's just this cipher for race car driving.
1: A woman and a timing gun a heterosexual
0: relationship does not make. (sighs) Yeah, I know. It's a stretch. Well, Cecil Colby's back. That's good. We hadn't seen him for a little while, and we love Cecil Colby. He's all into this whole oil shale, which I had to Google oil shale because I didn't know what the fuck oil shale was. I guess it's a special kind of rock.
1: Well, let's just get down to brass tacks with him. He he kind of like blew his cover with Claudia and stops by her new larger cubicle than the one she had
0: before yeah she really is on the fast track oh, she's, she's moving on up she's gonna be like vice president of sexual relations at denver carrington by the next episode
1: <laughs> okay that was really good i want to know what i want to know more about that instead of the colbys can we have a sideshow about that and like
0: <laughs> Claudia. It'll just be called Claudia.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really sad because like she's still giving this character her all and like they're not giving her much to work they're with. They're giving her
0: literally one scene every <laughs> yeah, episode. <laughs> right. And and
1: yet like I'm still just like stunned by the quality of her acting in this very <sighs> very minor part at this point.
0: You are such but, a Claudia stan.
1: No, I'm a I'm a Pamela Bellwood stan and the thing is like uh if Cecil pretty much like Totally you know blows his whole cover oh he
0: fucked up majorly
1: like he thought he was gonna keep getting intel out of her and then like come to find out he's been lying about been lying to her this whole time about where matthew and Lindsay are well
0: it's kind of racist because he's like they were in peru and she's like you said they were in venezuela and he was like well yeah venezuela and then peru and then argentina like he's just he doesn't know any of the south South america America? he doesn't know any of those countries whatsoever uh mexico uh <laughs> costa rica tahiti yeah i don't know uh, uh, you and then then so that's racist and then then he's like misogynistic because he's like well you must have forgot you know you're a silly girl you must have forgot i told you and she's like I never forget I'm a mother. You said they were in yeah. Venezuela. <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> it's it's almost that bad, right? Like, I did like that she was very assertive and that she's like, that's yeah, not the kind like, of thing I would forget. I
0: wouldn't forget know? that and fuck you for trying to min and black me. Uh, because
1: again, this is like Claudia's bone right now. This is all she's caring about is matthew and Lindsay, and there well, were. About, that's so. all the writers have
0: given her to care yeah, about other than her new career path but i like that as a counterpoint to what's going on with uh dr nicholas Toscani and crystal it's nice to see a woman stand up for herself to a, a man in power yeah you
1: know i like to comp- you know that's that's a fun parallel i hadn't thought about like when you look at uh, Claudia and Cecil versus Dr. Nick and well, whatever woman he's involved with, depending on which scene we're talking about. Mm, true, like I'm into I'm into their thing a lot more, and like Claudia. Yeah, well, does but not unfortunately, like, we only get one scene I know, of that, like you and then so we have to, to sit with. through multiple
0: scenes of Crystal and Nick and Fallon and Nick, and then him just treating these women like they're complete imbeciles.
1: Doctor Nick is this trash can that. Crystal and Fallon are just keep throwing themselves into. And meanwhile, Claudia's got nothing to work with and having this like one little teeny tiny bite sized morsel of an amazing scene.
0: Luckily, we finally get Alexis having a hot take on Dr. Nick when they're at the St. Dennis Club. She sees. Totally through it. And she warns Fallon. Well, first of all, she figures out right away that this is the guy that Fallon was fucking with.
1: I love this scene because it calls back to her consulting with the tarot card reader or the fortune teller or whatever like Alexis again she works very much on instinct and on not maybe even the supernatural I don't know I I think based on some of the outfits she wore in this episode that's very possible but (laughs) like she clearly works on this uh, this yeah this other level that like Blake does not you know Blake is very cut and dry and factual well I'm waiting for
0: your sort of English major comparison to come out because her whole thing was she said I looked into his eyes and I could see that he's dangerous. Well, this is okay. So this and is, and then you've yeah. got Blake. This is yeah. Doesn't no, 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 have no. This is
1: definitely part of what I was saying earlier about how all these characters keep like spitting out these lines that like. Well, but this doesn't actually like, have... cheesy references to Blake being blind. It's like I see you, I don't see you, I can see things, and it's like but the whole the whole time you're thinking, like, but Blake can't see, you know. But yes, no, this is she's she's. But I just love that the
0: writers that. give her that sort of insight. Because, yeah, he does seem suspicious. Like, James Farantino, the actor that plays Dr. Nick, he is kind of giving a wink-wink here and there, you know, especially when he talks to you Blake. You know what it is? His eyes are too close together. No, uh, that's not what it is. It's acting. It's the way he delivers the lines. There is something else going on, and I think he does, the The actor James Ferrentino does a great job of delivering that because we know because he knows we know there's a you know body hanging around <laughs> that he sees in flashes the body sometimes. just keeps swinging <laughs> it's, yeah, it's still hung up there it hasn't fallen off yet man who expects his money and power to buy him everything including his sight
1: he's blake carrington he's what and who he is he's my husband who you don't sleep with anymore that's none of your business Nick, I have to stay with him for now. Why? Because he's blind. Because he needs the emotional support. You know that.
0: Tell me something. Who the hell has nailed you to this cross? Not his ex-wife. Certainly not his daughter.
1: I'll leave him when he can see. I, I just, I just think Crystal is like in her classic snare that she she keeps trapping herself in in these situations where she has emotions that she can't act upon and she won't make a commitment here. She is like smooching Dr. Toscani again, but like, Oh, we've have to,
0: you know, cut this off. And I'm Blake's wife. Well, I want to stand up for this character because Linda Evans is so freaking likable. But my god, she's a fucking moron. Why does she keep getting involved with this guy? Why does she blame the
1: writers for this? Why one. does she
0: put her fur coat on and drive over to his house? Like she could have just called him and said all this she stuff. She said multiple times now, like more than 3 times that she's not interested in him. So why does she keep going back to him? It's infuriating.
1: I mean, maybe she was just like, I don't know, she got her nails done and she was bored driving home and thought she'd stop by Dr. Nix, which is always like a, a big mistake, huge. Don't, I'm going do like to pull last a blind Blake
0: Carrington and I'm going to start flipping over furniture and throwing vases at the wall. And you know what? Then I'm going to get a special senate security commission or whatever his weird ass plan is stoppers or whatever (laughs) this is (laughs) i'm gonna call 1-800 crime stoppers what is his plan here this doesn't make any sense to
1: me it's pretty dumb i don't you know and i'm just thinking like oh it must be nice to be like ultra wealthy and just get the senate on your side what the hell is that like uh, and he, I can't he, even call my credit card company and dispute a charge and like expect any kind of recourse like and this guy's got like the whole Colorado State Senate on his behalf. Well, I'm like,
0: waiting for everybody to laugh in his face, huh because he's never met this Rhinewood guy doesn't know what he looks like. How did he even know to sell half of the team to bail him out anyway? like how did he? figure who this person out we did
1: get a little justice there because yeah the lieutenant even kind of like victim shames blake over that like well have you seen this guy do you even know what he looks like do you even know he's real yeah they had no information
0: no license plate so
1: you deserved it
0: dude yeah i did like that i mean i do like this whole idea that blake is suffering because he's made so many people suffer for the first season and a half of this show so he He kind of deserves it. Yeah, but it's
1: interesting because this character has kind of, like, thawed out, you know? Like, he was so severe in the first half of the first season. And then, like, this last few episodes, he seems like a
0: little bit more, you know... Well, him apologizing to Joseph the bitchy butler was, like... Yeah. uh, Had me quaking in my boots. I can't believe that he did that. He was being so nasty to him, yanking on that bell or whatever to get him to come in of course you know your theory that joseph the bitchy butler has the hots for blake has got a lot more evidence this episode because joseph is like coming to blake's side in the middle of the night and now he wants to reading s- him spy novels yeah they're having like a little romantic reading moment and joseph's like i'm gonna just set up a bed next to yours and i'm just gonna watch you sleep all night." that
1: is classic stalker gay boyfriend or gay straight boyfriend stuff like
0: yeah i am sorry but i do not if i need help you can still sleep in the next room over actually i have a question so blake is blind he has trouble going up and down steps The Carrington Mansion famously has a big-ass staircase, probably the biggest in Denver. Are there no bedrooms on the ground floor? Why do we have to have this poor old man going up and down the steps?
1: You think he would put up with that? No, he does not want to be coddled to, and that's the whole point. And that's why I think it's interesting. That the one person he lets coddle him is Joseph. Not yeah, his well, wife. He probably does a lot not more. Not Alexis. Than coddle. Not even really his daughter Fallon. Like he, he just uh, only Joseph. Like his, his. You know, it's like this is like some my man Godfrey stuff. Like, so yeah, I think that I just think all oh, that's very interesting and subtextual.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, he definitely ate his words when he was being all nasty to Joseph, and I'm surprised they didn't kiss and make up. They did, that just didn't make it
1: to the final cut.
0: Oh, I'm going to have to look on the DVD extras for that. Well, are you excited that Alexis and Fallon are teaming up now that Fallon has figured out that Crystal is indeed having some sort of a non-professional relationship with Dr. Nicholas Toscani?
1: Well, you know, it's the old idea, the enemy of your enemy is your friend or whatever, right? So, like, clearly they're going to forge a a small we'll see how effective Alliance over this whole hoopla with Crystal and Dr. Nick. But, you know, at the end of the day, like Fallon is a very flawed character, perhaps more flawed than Alexis. And as far as mothers and daughters go, like I just, you know, the two of them just don't gel. Yeah. Well, and I
0: think that Alexis is going to be more thoughtful about this whole thing where, Fallon, for some reason, her pussy just gets so wet for Dr. Nick that she makes dumb decisions. So I'm not super confident in this alliance to get Crystal and Dr. Nick and then to take back over the Carrington family, but we'll see. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. Well, we've refilled our champagne glasses and it's time to talk about our lurks of the week. Kyler what was yours well i'm
1: just going straight in for the jugular you know what i'm i'm after here it's
0: it's
1: it's alexis and she's looking wicked she's looking
0: wicked. and
1: well i do have to say she's got a couple of outfits that specifically feature peak shoulders so like she's now getting the power shoulder treatment pretty much in most of her if not all of her costumes at this at this stage of the game. She's in this black number and it's this amazing like I don't know if this is I don't know what this gold piping is. It's not fabric. It's like it's almost like like gold PVC. I don't know. It's it's extraordinarily shiny yeah um and i'm like um i'm like a parrot on that like i just want to chew the shininess and it's got the high collar with the victorian reference to it and she's got the updo and the tendrils which you know heretofore we're used to her in like the 70s disco hair um and not so severe looking with the clothes so i'm i'm just uh, this is an amazing outfit i you know and it's got the dark uh the black opaque stockings The uh, slightly rounded toe uh, suede black high heel pump. It's just, it's, and you know, like, look, there's nothing amazing in the, in the uh, overall impact of it, but it's, it's a great dress with some nice detailing.
0: And I really liked it, but it felt like, and you know, it's been Halloween season the past few weeks. It felt very costumey Halloween, like, I felt like it needed one touch where it was uh, the 80s. One, to me. This was just like such a throwback. It wasn't modern.
1: I think this is another example of like how costume her character is, though. And I think there was this interesting accessory, you may call it. Uh, she's like walking around with a, an antique leather bound book which is like, I think part of the look, even though it may not be on purpose. So it's she's just, oh, well, that's, she's very Bell booky that's, Candle. No, no, that
0: it's exactly, which is why I didn't like it because that's not 80s to me. We're supposed to be in 82 here. Well, but, but no, I, the book I loved because to me, I'm just thinking back on the set that day, Alexis is like, well, why am I in the house right now? Oh, maybe I just came into the library to, to grab a, a, a book. And so, you know, that's what Joan was doing. You know, she's very method in that way. So she's like, I'm going to walk around with this book. Even though we don't talk about it, it's not referenced in the script, but this is why Alexis is walking around the Carrington Mansion right now, eavesdropping on people. Yeah, you know, she's So with with her... Snaps to factory Or whatever it is she's reading, you know. Well, my Lurk of the Week is basically a counterpoint, I think, to that. We have the darkness... The, uh, the evil witchy magic. And then we have the light, the angel that is Crystal Carrington in this all-white ensemble. And she's wearing it actually, I think, a little bit earlier in the episode. But she's got a fur coat on top of it. So you can't really see much of it. It's not until later when she's serving. Yeah, that's
1: the sort of like the ranch dressing on top of everything. Mmm, you
0: know? yum, yum. Can I have extra ranch with my order? But no, I think it's great. She's wearing her hair up for most of the episode, which is an interesting choice, but... This has the the collar that goes all the way up the neck. This one's got the shoulders. It's very much the same sort of silhouette thing that Alexis has going on with her black outfit. True, but to me, this is the better version because it's well silky. If, if you
1: notice the the silk blouse material, it has a sort of um, Glen plaid embossed into it. Like yeah, a texture. there's
0: like a pattern.
1: Yeah, and so I don't know. There's there's a lot of detail there. And and I do like the the her updo is very like Gibson girl 1901 post Victorian, which we don't really get her in another hairstyle. Like, this is kind
0: of we it. only get her in two hairstyles. You get the haystack, you get it up, we, or yeah. you get the barn door, right?
1: Yeah, so like, so it's like nice to see her in that hairdo, and then like with the fur coat on top, I agree. And uh, by the way, that fur coat is the perfect length, it's like mid calf. So it's very long and statement. And
0: great boots Mm -hmm. to go with the white boots to go with the outfit. So no, I think she was edging her out. And this is to me very 80s, very contemporary for the time. And angelic well, as she very, is it's
1: very 80s but like woman of means you know like well we are watching dynasty yeah. this is a show just, about well, people I'm of means making that distinction this is not the merry-go-round
0: and i just want to give a quick 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 honorable mention to attorney andrew laird's sunday outfit you were such a hooker for that what the whole Richard Burton realness? <laughs> I'm oh,
1: don't think you're gonna get me with Richard Burton
0: turtleneck and a blazer. That's a I Richard know, Burton I look know. through and through. But he, in this instance, Andy Laird has like a baby blue turtleneck, and then he even paired it with, with a the, little, little baby blue hanky. Yeah. So I just love that he stopped by to see his pal. Well, Blake then I Carrington. guess we we
1: have to honorably mention. Uh, Blake Carrington's West Side of Los Angeles disco record producer look with the the bub- the windshield dark sunglasses. Well, for me, <laughs> I those glasses
0: to me is just Tony Stark, like <laughs> yeah, Robert completely. Downey Jr. He wears those glasses in all of them damn Iron Man movies. So every time he kept putting his oh, you it- know one blind mice glasses on, I just kept thinking, "Oh, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good."
1: also i mean we already know this best ass goes to heather locklear bending over the trans am again yeah uh,
0: but you know second place close behind is Stephen carrington they they're they've only been married like a week or two and um they're already dressing alike and their hair is alike and their asses are alike. we've
1: already said that they have the same damn hairdo but
0: well there's another reason right there for you that steven is into sammy joe it's like a lot of gay men like date Or marry guys that are look exactly like them
1: yeah she's in a strange way a fun house mirror image of steven
0: her ass is better though for sure well that's another episode of dynasty as they want to be in the books thank you so much for listening if you liked this episode rate us on itunes or stitcher or wherever you can rate podcasts give us five stars and Write a review if you want. And if you're blind and you can't write, then, you know, have your butler do it for you. Uh, Kyler, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad to have you back. We'll talk. We'll see. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't quit the podcast. (laughs) And also thank you to Lindsay Mound, the artist who designed our logo, and DJ Jugo, who did our amazing theme song. We had a fun tweet since we last checked our social media Brian Stevens, at T-S-A-R Brian, uh, sent sent a fun pic on Twitter of him on a cruise. I think he was on the TCM Turner Classic Movie Cruise, which sounds like... The best time ever. Do
1: they just play like all about Eve on nonstop rotation?
0: He wrote getting in the proper frame of mind to listen to my favorite podcast at nasty podcast. It's a picture of Brian on the deck of the ship. I think it's aft. Yeah, that's aft because that's the back of the ship wearing a T-shirt with a caricature of Alexis Carrington. It looks like one of those um, Glenn Hansen caricatures, but it could be another artist. I'm not sure. Let us know, Brian. But, yeah, he's looking fabulous. And we're so happy that Dynasty is They Want to Be your favorite podcast. Love. Exciting and new. Mm. Come aboard. We're expecting you. It's the love boat. I was going to say Dynasty Boat.
1: dynasty boat what the fuck is that
0: i don't know why aren't there any boats on this show (laughs) you mean yachts if you want to tweet us from a cruise you can do so we're at nasty podcast that's n-a-s-t-y podcast on twitter instagram we'd love to hear from you and know that we're your favorite podcast bye